the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. How many of you have ever seen Bob Ross paint? Y'all know who I'm talking about? The guy was, what's the name of the show, The Happy Painter or something? You know you've been on TV, you're going through the channels, and you see this guy painting with this big curly hair. You got a picture of him? Just for those that don't know him. (laughs) You know you've seen this cat on TV, and you got no intention on stopping, but something just makes you stop. Because you know he's going to take that empty canvas, and he's going to get a butter knife and go, foo, 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 foo. And before it's through, it's going to be a masterpiece, and you're going to watch it and say, wow. And not only are you going to watch it and say, wow, you're going to think to yourself, I could do that. I can go buy me a set of oil paints down at Walmart and get me a butter knife, and I'm going to do wah, wah, wah. And I'm going to make something that, that, that I can hang up. As, uh, something, I can put something that people say, that's good. You know, you feel like you could do it because he makes it look so easy, right? They say that uh, old Chuck Norris challenged him to a painting contest. And the loser was going to have to grow an afro. (laughs) But that was a long time ago. But No, you know, I'm just kidding. Bob Ross could outpaint Chuck Norris with both hands tied behind his back. Bob Ross just wanted an afro. (laughs) But I love when somebody makes things seem so simple. Like if you could just follow each stroke that he did, every technique that he explains in some detail, you could could turn out something that people want to see. And it's the same way if we'll follow God's plan for marriage. God has made it plain. He's wrote it down. He's explained it to us. And we have everything that pertains to life and godliness, this Bible says. And we can have godly marriages. We just got to want to. And we got to follow the master. And after all, we've discovered last week that there's an art to it. Remember? Last week was called the Arts of Marriage. And it was an acronym, A standing for affection, R for romance, T for touch, and then we didn't get to S yet. And so that's why there's so many people here today. No. <laughs> this might be why we're down in attendance today. I don't <laughs> But we talked about affection, and I asked what what was the root word of affection? And we said affect, right? And affection, if you show a little affection to your spouse, it's going to affect their heart. And if we can affect their heart, it's going to affect their actions. And their actions are definitely going to affect our marriage. So we said, hey, show a little affection. 
Then we got into romance. And we talked about how guys, you know, they say I do and they think the conquest is over, so they stop hunting. We talked about my deer head and all that and how we, we can't put our marriage up on the wall and not paying attention to it. We got to keep hunting. And we talked about how the women, you know, you're the deer in this <laughs> analogy, the D-E-A-R. And you have to continue to be something that they want to pursue. You got to stay one step ahead of them because that confuses us guys. <laughs> but it makes us hungry for more, you know. <laughs> so you ladies, be something that the men want to pursue. And so romance in the marriages, that's where romance was supposed to be, not in the dating part. Right? I mean, it's okay there, but the best romance is for the marriage. And then we talked about touch, and we weren't talking about uh, sexual touch. We were talking about a pad, a hug, a kiss, or, you know, put your arm around, hold hands, something that affirms that we belong together and how important that is because the hu us humans respond to touch we need humans need touch i mean we've got sensory stuff in our in our skin when you touch us we can feel it it almost goes straight to our heart you know and so touch is so important in a marriage our bodies were meant for touch so so far we've learned that if you show your spouses some affection some romance and some touch you got a good start and i concluded by saying they always told me when i was before you know in high school about to go into college they always told me that a degree in the arts wouldn't pay but they were so wrong because s stands for sex and if you'll learn the arts you can have it all amen and it was an odd place for me to leave off last week leaving only the s of arts and so it made me all week have to think about sex. <laughs> but that was nothing new. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Angie's not smiling. <laughs> Hadn't even got there yet, and I'm already in trouble. <laughs> and as would be my custom, I would joke my way through today, okay, because when I feel uncomfortable or I want you to feel comfortable about an uncomfortable message, I usually precede you, your medicine with a little laughter. It makes it go down smoother. And, I, and so I could joke my way through today, but I am determined not to. Because today, I believe it's important that I do not joke about these things because it would take away from the seriousness of what we're going to discuss today so I'm going to try to just teach this subject and not make light of it except for just a few little places all right seriously I want to help you today I don't want to just make fun of some things that are important these are the things that I'm going to talk today are are unique to the church I mean unique you don't hear it in the church is what I mean it's detailed and it's something that we really need to hear in the church because sex had, isn't talked about in the church. And that's why we snicker when we mention sex. <laughs> because we have been grown up to believe that it's bad and that it's dirty and it's something that we shouldn't do. And the reason we believe that is because how the world has twisted it. And it has become something bad and dirty that we shouldn't do. The way the world does it. But most of Christians, they got their information about sex from the locker room like everybody else. 
And so God has a lot to say about sex. And so we're going to see what God has to say about sex. And I really believe it'll help you today, especially you married folks. Especially you married folks. Now, those who are single and want to be married, then you, you catalog a lot of this for later. And those who, you know, have no desire to be married and are single, God will help you uh, in this area too. Uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about, and you'll be able to help somebody if they ever come to you for wisdom. So can I get an amen? amen. Can I help you today? Can I be serious about a subject? God gave a man and a woman a beautiful gift. And it's only to be shared within the confines of marriage. It's a beautiful gift for a husband and a wife. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We're going to go to the book of beginnings. To go back and see what God's original design was. Genesis 2.24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Say joined. And the two are united, say united, united, into one. So two are joined and united. Now I know that when you become one with your spouse in the covenant of marriage, it's, it's a spiritual thing, it's an emotional thing, but it's also a physical thing. And so when you're joined and united, it, it definitely sounds like a physical thing. Now, the man and his wife, and the reason I believe that is because the next verse says the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. See, from the original intent of God, there was no shame in sexual relations. There was no shame in the game for a husband and a wife, and it still should not be. Sex is not just God's design for procreation. I mean, that is a design. I mean, that's, it takes a husband and a wife to procreate. Or it should, should take a husband and a wife to procreate. But sex is also clearly for human pleasure as well. Because it's so pleasurable. And it's designed to be the deepest possible expression of intimacy between two totally committed and all-in people. It's supposed to be the deepest possible expression of intimacy. I mean, how more intimate can you get than two being joined together? Two becoming one. And it's an expression of that intimacy. But it's reserved for the all-in people. It's not reserved for you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend. It's reserved for the ones who said, I do, and put a ring on it. It's for reserved for those who are willing to commit before God till death do us part. 
in sickness and in health. Good times, bad times. Somebody who has made the commitment. Joe Beam of the Family Dynamics Institute said, I believe that sexual love freely shared in marriage is the most beautiful way God gave us to say, I love you. I'll say that again. He said, I believe that sexual love freely shared in marriage is the most beautiful way God gave us to say, I love you. So what we're talking about here today is important. It's important to your marriage. It's not just some small topic in a big sea of other stuff. As far as your marriage is concerned, this is a big deal. Probably as many people get divorced over this issue as, as any other. And they may not accredit it to that, but it, I can guarantee you it is the underlying cause in a whole lot of breakups and divorces. And we don't even want to talk about that D word, do we? So we're going to talk about what we do so we never get to that D word. And something so precious that God gave us, this precious gift that he gave us, it breaks his heart when we make it cheap. When we take it and we make it dirty and bad and we have to snicker about the things going on. Because see, the world, that's what it does. It counterfeits everything that God gives us. And the world offers nothing but a counterfeit of what the original beautiful intent that God gave us. And th their version of it is usually just the physical act without any emotional connection. Uh, well, that's optional. You know, you can be emotionally attached if you want to, but, I mean, they're even swaying from that. Now, you know, that's bad if you're emotionally attached. Don't get emotionally attached. Just hook up. Can I say that in church? Y'all said I could be honest today, didn't I? That you wanted some help. That marriages need to hear this. They think the physical act without any emotional investment is best. But we could be here all day describing all the perversions that the world has brought into the area of sexual relations. <laughs> and we ain't got time for all that. We don't need to study all the counterfeits. We just need to study the real. Ephesians 5.12 says, anyway, it's a shame to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. You're talking about making you want to blush. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God has a little to say about the world's way. He said, it's God's will that you should be sanctified. Say, sanctified. Y'all love that, don't you? Sanctified means set apart for God's purposes. It's God's will that you set yourself apart and don't do things the world's way. Don't even talk about the things that they do in secret. Set yourself apart from the world's way and do things God's way. He says that you should avoid sexual immorality. He talks a lot about sexual immorality. In Revelations, he says that no sexually immoral people will see the kingdom of heaven. So this is a big issue. 
that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. But you don't know my hormones, and she's so fine and all. God is saying you can control yourself. There's no excuse for sexual immorality. You can learn to control your body in a way that's holy and honorable to God. Not in passionate lust like the pagans or the heathens or these worldly other folks. Not in a passionate lust because these are people who do not know God. But we're called to be set apart, to be sanctified. And we do things God's way. It's not a passionate lust for us. Within the marriage, sexual relations should be a passionate love. That's where it gets real. That's where it gets good. That's what God intends. Hebrews 13, 4 says marriage is honorable in all. Some of you are just, but that ain't the way the world does. That's not, nobody does that anymore. I mean, you're supposed to try it before you buy it, you know. Okay, I don't need to get off the script. Here I go. Keep me straight, Angie. Keep me straight. Come on now. Well, it's my hormones. Everybody's doing it. I have to do it. No. You don't. You can control your body in a way that's holy and honorable because Jesus is first to you. And when you put his things first, then life gets good to you. You align yourself with God's blessing and you don't settle for a counterfeit. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed, now what's he talking about? Sex. And the bed is undefiled. That means there's, there's no shame in the game. You don't have to get up the next morning and figure out how you can get away without them waking up. You don't have to get up in the morning feeling shame. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And Lord, help us in the body of Christ. Because judgment begins at the house of God. We need to judge ourselves lest we be judged. And this is not the time to be playing with eternal judgment. Fornicators, what does that mean, Pastor? That means anybody having sex that's not married. Any kind of sex. That's... Well, I don't go all the way. What's an adulterer? Somebody who's married is having sex with somebody that's not their spouse. Or somebody who's not married is having sex with somebody else's spouse. Adultery. Fornication. The world says, those things don't matter. But I'm telling you, they do. That's what's wrong with the world today. Too many children born out of wedlock 
All this dysfunction in America today is because people just trample on marriage and the value that God has placed and the beautiful gift that God has given us. They've, they've turned to counterfeits. I wrote this, all of a couple's sexual desire should belong to their spouse. I should say all a married couple's sexual desire. When I mean couples today, I mean married couples, okay? All of a married couple's sexual desire should belong to their spouse. Now, we're moving into another area I'm fixing to talk about. Because that's a big problem. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 7 and see what God says about that. Because you're saying, Pastor, I have to be faithful to my, my spouse. You don't know my spouse. They're not helping me with this. What I'm telling you is we're supposed to put all our eggs in one basket. All our sexual desires should belong to our spouse. That means our eyes, our ears, our Facebook account, everything. All of our, anything to do with me as a sexual person belongs to my spouse. And I'm supposed to give it to them and to them alone because we are in covenant together. We have vowed that I belong to you and you belong to me. Isn't that a song? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. And y'all think I'm just making this up. Watch this. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. You don't, don't think God gets specific about sex? The husband should fulfill. When something is fulfilled, that means it fills it up. There's no lack there. A husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. At the same time, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So that they're linked to each other. They, they are dependent upon each other. If I, well, if I put all my eggs in that basket, Pastor, I'm going to be unfulfilled. Well, that's why we're talking about it. Because there is a right way to do things. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. Am I saying this or is this the Bible? A wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. And it says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Say that out loud with me. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Somebody are in here probably getting real happy about now. It goes on to say, unless you both agree, unless there's agreement, to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Just so you want to be more holy. Afterward, after that set time, you should come back together again. So that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Remember, control your body so that you're holy before the Lord, we're supposed to be able to control our body. And what, but, but God knows it's hard to control our body. 
And God says, if you're, you're single and you're lusting and you're having problems controlling your body, get married. And when you're married, God says, if someone is having a sexual desire, it needs to be fulfilled. So that the devil can't get in and tempt. The devil can't get in and tempt. What happens? You know, I do some marriage counseling. Lord, help whoever I counsel with. I know everything not to do, you know. I tell them what not to do. But anyway, a lot of times we're counseling somebody, me and Angie. I don't just counsel alone when the marriage. We're counseling somebody. And I can tell what the problem is right off. We don't really have to go no farther. Somebody's sexually frustrated. Somebody's sexually frustrated. A lot of times. That's why I'm talking about today because I think we can root out a lot of problems in marriage. I can sit there and say, I can tell you what's the problem right now. I don't do that, but I was, he don't act right. I don't even know what goes through his mind. He's been acting crazy lately. Well, yeah, he's sexually frustrated. How many have seen that commercial where somebody's acting crazy and somebody figures it out? Oh, yeah, I know. You're not yourself without a Snickers. <laughs> Men are not themselves without a Snickers now. And some ladies, too, can be, need some Snickers every now and then. <laughs> Sexual frustration can be at the root of a lot of problems in a marriage. And that's why God's addressing it right here. So that we can learn to control our bodies. We can learn to control ourselves. We got married so that we wouldn't be sexually frustrated. Not solely because of that, but that was one of the benefits. <laughs> so what's the problem well there's differences between men and women you see I'm, I'm saying typically now typically a woman's desire for sexual intimacy stems from her heartstrings, from her emotions and that's why in a lot of marriages you know things are going good at first because you're still pursuing her gentlemen and you're touching her heartstrings. Now, you know men, they're a little different. Their desire is just predominantly just a physical need. And is, God made us like that. It's not something bad or good. It's, we have hormones. We have all these things going on in our lives. Men and women are, are chemically different, emotionally different. But see, God put a man and a woman together in this awkward situation where we both have different driving forces about our sexual desires. But he knows what he's doing. He didn't put two like together, good Lord. But he put two different together so that we would have to learn to come together and it would be out of love and not out of just... Lust. It wouldn't be a free-for-all. But we would have to learn to come together in marriage and meet each other's needs. 
and to compromise and to love one another. And love would be the predominant driving force. It would be a beautiful thing as the man romances the woman and the woman's heartstrings are touched and she meets the man's physical needs out of a desire to love him. You see how God did this? The very things that's causing us trouble are the very things God intended to cause us unity, to cause it to be beautiful. See, it's beautiful in the love. That's why so many people say making love, not just having sex. Love should be the driving force. Love is what you do to meet the needs of another. Since we have different drivers, we most, must both be willing to yield to create a healthy environment. But I wrote this. Marriage, within marriage, sex should not be withheld. And that's what I've try, been trying to make plain. But it should also not be demanded. So fellas, <laughs> don't go home today and say, Pastor said, you know. <laughs> It should not be withheld, but it should not be demanded. And it should not be used as a weapon to get your way either. You begin to use it as a weapon, then you're just destroying the beauty of it. You know, fire can be something beautiful. It keeps you warm. There was a beautiful bonfire last night, but it can also be very destructive. And sex can be the same way. If you treat it right and you handle it according to God's word, it will be something beautiful and warm. But if you turn it into a weapon, it can be destructive and burn your house down. Though sex may meet a physical need, we should fight the tendency to, to let it become merely a fleshly act. You know what I'm saying? In when you're married, you've been married 25 years, every time that you come together... It's not going to be this giant romantic thing. Sometimes it is meeting physical needs. But that's okay. But we, even in that, in that uh, scenario, we don't turn it into just a lustful thing. It doesn't become all about me. You understand, lust is about me, and love is about we. And so even if it's meeting physical needs, I'm doing it because I love you. And I'm not just turning it into something that we found we learn from the world. And so many of us, that's why I talked to, I'm talking about these things today, because we learned what we learned from a magazine or something. And so many of us, well, I know how to please a woman because I saw it on TV. You don't know what you're talking about. You follow Jesus and you follow your heart and you look at his example of how he loves the church, and you will find true making love. You will find the beauty in the gift. It must not always be romantic, but it should never be solely lustful, and that's why pornography messes you up so bad. And I, I wish I didn't have to talk about pornography. It shouldn't have to be discussed in the church. But once again, the, the polls say that it's just as rampant in the church pretty much as it is in the world. And that's what's 
bad and dirty. It warps our healthy view of sex. It reduces it to a solely selfish act. It's just something, I can just do that by myself. I know. And that's not God's design. And viewing pornography, I hate to tell you this, if you're married and you're viewing pornography, you're cheating on your spouse. Well, I'm not really, you know, with anybody else. You know, I'm by myself. It's not hurting anybody else. Oh, yeah, it is. Jesus told them that if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And some people today trying to, even in the church, trying to say that, you know, a couple should watch pornography together. It'll help their sex life. Will you give me a break? The devil has lied to you. I wrote this, porn will lead you down a demonic path of ungodly thoughts that will corrupt everything pure that God intended for your marriage. It'll teach you everything wrong. It'll upset everything that God wants to, to, to present to you as beautiful. It will corrupt it all and destroy it and tear it down and give you false thoughts, false hopes, false expectations. But I can do it by myself. I mean, she don't have to know or he don't have to know. It's not hurting anybody else. Well, what about the poor men and women or young boys and young girls that's making the pornography, the lives that are destroyed in that end. Porn is inseparably linked to prostitution and self, uh, sex, uh, sex trafficking. And today, sex trafficking ain't just all adults. Little children. God's sons and daughters, even the adult ones, are God's sons and daughters, his creation. Let me finish with this scripture, at least this section of where I'm going today. Proverbs 5, 15. Now, I think a lot of you might, some of you might be saying, I'm glad he's leaving this part. Some of you might be saying, I'm glad he said this part. Because this will help you. Proverbs 5.15 says, drink water from your own well. You know, the one that you dug, the one you invested in, the one on your land. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs into the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer. Didn't I tell you to be the deer, ladies? She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Men, if you've got a wife in here, look at her and say, you captivate me. I have eyes only for you, baby. Now, if it ain't your wife, you come up here for prayer. <laughs>
Why? Okay, so I, the, the tough part's over. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Why is getting marriage right so important? Because going whole hog for Jesus requires that we go whole hog for marriage. Y'all know what whole hog is. We did a whole series on it. All in. Being all in for Jesus is, means we got to get marriage right. Because that is the foundation of society and the God's plan. The arts that we've been discussing paint a bigger picture than you may realize. You're thinking, well, I'll be glad when he's off this series and we get on to something. And I will be too. I don't feel comfortable up here preaching about marriage. I like to talk about Jesus. But I am talking about Jesus. See, the arts that we've been talking about paint a bigger picture than you may realize. They're painting a mysterious picture. You're saying, what are you talking about now, Pastor? Where are you going? Well, go to Ephesians 5.31. Let me share with you a mystery. Ephesians 5.31. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Didn't we just read that? Yeah, we read it in the beginning, in the book of the beginnings, in Genesis. Now we're reading it again. Why? Because God's reiterating. God's telling us again. Don't forget this. He, I think he tells it in another couple of scriptures, but I insert, researched it. Verse 32 says, this is a great mystery. You want to hear what the mystery is? It is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. The way a man loves a woman, his wife, the institution of marriage is meant to be a representation to the world of how Jesus loves the church. That's what we need to get right. As followers of Jesus, you say, I want to give God glory. Well, give Him glory through your marriage. Let your marriage be different than the world. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. No separation. We're not cheating on him, and he's not cheating on us. We ain't got our eyes on other things. We got our eyes on Jesus, and he, he's got his eyes on us. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and let the wife respect her husband. Remember we talked about that all last week. The basic desires of a man wanting respect and a woman wanting love. And the, how the arts meet those needs. The world is watching. Our marriages should show the world how a covenant works. See, we cut covenant with Jesus. With God Almighty. And we should be people of our word. And when we cut covenant with our spouse, we should be people of our word. And the people in the world need to see that we're people of our word. And marriages should reflect a love and a oneness that will draw people to the painting of the painter of such beauty. I'm trying to keep with the arts thing here. Our marriages should reflect a love and a oneness that will draw people to the painter 
of such beauty. Bob Ross is quite a character. It's not just his hair. If you look up some of his quotes, they're pretty good. But one thing he said is, all you need to paint is a few tools, a little instruction, and a vision in your mind. And watching him do it, you think, he's right. I can do this too. But it sure helps having that video that you can fast forward and stop and get it right and watch how he does it every step of the way, you know. He's going to show you how to do the backgrounds and all that. And you know that if you can follow Bob, your canvas will turn out something special. And in the same way, if we study Jesus' love for us, Jesus' love for the church, our marriages will transform into little masterpieces that are inspiring others to paint God's way. And to use these arts that God has so graciously given us to make life a beautiful painting. Make marriage this wonderful thing. We ought not be Al and Peg Bundy about marriage. We should be the guys saying how beautiful it is. And they're saying, what are you, your old lady, you like your old lady? I love my wife. Your husband ain't some bubbling idiot? No, my husband leads my family. He's a strong man of God. We're supposed to be set apart from the world. So we've made a mistake or two in our marriage. Like Bob Ross says, turn them into happy little trees. <laughs> oh, well, I think we'll put a rock right there. <laughs> okay, we've all made mistakes, right? Put it behind you. Paint something beautiful today with your spouse. Our marriages tell people about God's love. And our marriage should help us feel God's love. Man, I don't want to have that Proverbs marriage where he said, live in a house with a contentious woman is like a continual drip. I don't want to live in a, in a house where the man won't take the spiritual lead in the family, won't do his part in housework and won't do this or won't do that and, and there's a bickering going back and forth and where both people are fr sexually frustrated and both people are looking to other sources and, and all these things. That's the world. You can have that. You didn't come to church today to get that. You came to church today to do something different because you want something different because your heart longs to give God glory. And so remember... Sex is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift of God. That's why I didn't want to just laugh my way through it and snicker about it and, make, and cheapen it because it is really something. So, so, I could go into a lot of things that I hear. Some, some people get to a certain age, they, they don't want to have sexual relations anymore. They do this or they do that. And I understand, but before I would get to that point, I would ask myself, have I ever really enjoyed how God meant it to be? I would, I, I would say it would have to be by agreement. And, you, and we're going to make that up some other way. <laughs> if you just don't want to, you have no desire to or whatever. But it is something so beautiful. It is the deepest, intimate, most intimate expression 
of love, the best way you can tell your spouse, I love you, when you do this God's way. So treasure it. And I tell you what, a lot of frustration, a lot of problems in our marriages will seem to go away when there's that kind of two becoming one. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.